I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hey friends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. It's Meg, as always, and I'm actually coming in hot from Salt Lake City, Utah this week. Now, I must apologize right off the hop here for the poor sound quality. It won't be like this for all of the show, just this little brief intro that I did for you right now. So bad news is my microphone broke. I was traveling with my microphone. So for just like a little backup story, I've been away from home for the past three weeks now and I traveled with my microphone obviously I'm a podcaster and I travel with a microphone and I recorded last week's episode for you with that beloved microphone of mine and I just pulled it out of my suitcase and it busted on my way to Salt Lake City so I'm a sad puppy over here tonight as I am recording using my laptop speakers, which aren't ideal, but it gets the job done. And I needed to get this episode out for you this week. But the good news is I did pre-record this episode with Sal from Mind Pump. So I am pretty sure all of you know who Sal is and him and I sat down a couple weeks ago when my microphone wasn't broken and we recorded an amazing episode. I absolutely adore Sal. We talk actually a lot about self-love and what that actually looks like And we just have this amazing conversation that I know all of you ladies are going to love and really absorb. And there's a lot of good takeaways here. So I'm excited for you to listen. But before we head to that episode, I just wanted to share with you why I'm in Salt Lake. If you want to follow along with my adventures while I'm in this beautiful city in Utah, hop over to my Instagram account. You can follow me on Instagram at I am Meg Doll. So you can find me over there. I'm in Salt Lake all week. There is the annual doTERRA convention and this is my fourth time coming. It's like the highlight of my year. I don't know which is better. doTERRA's convention every year in September in Salt Lake City or Christmas. I really don't know. This is really high on my priority list of things to do throughout the years. So if you want to see what I'm up to, what doTERRA is up to, I will be posting a lot of the goodies that they share with us. So tomorrow, 
actually today, if you're listening to this live. So Wednesday, the 11th, September 11th, Wednesday, the 11th is the very first day of convention. So we are talking about all the amazing things that we've done as a company over the past year. And we are actually releasing 13 new products. So super excited about those. I will keep you up to date on all of those new products. I don't even know what they are yet. So I will let you know as soon as I do next week. We'll have a little chit chat and I'll catch you up on all of that. But anyways, I just want to thank all of you who have been sharing my podcast over on Instagram. If you're listening, take a screenshot, share it, tag me so I can actually see it. And thank you. I love connecting with all of you over on Instagram. So yeah, I just wanted to give all of you a special shout out. If you've been doing that, I truly appreciate it more than you even know. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now let's cut over to this chat I had with Sal. All right, cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I am super excited to sit down with you. And before we hit record, I know I mentioned that most of the ladies listening to this show listen to your podcast. But for those who may be meeting you right here for the first time today, can you give us a little bit of an intro? Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, um, I currently host uh, the Mind Pump fitness and health podcast. We've been on air for about uh, four years and uh, we've gotten to the point now where we reach about maybe one and a half to 2 million uh, people a month on, on the show. But before that, I owned a wellness studio that offered personal training, massage therapy, acupuncture. We had gut and hormone testing uh, back in the day before it, it kind of became popular. And then before that, I was a, a personal trainer and gym manager. And I've been one way or another involved in the fitness space or training people for, geez, now it's been uh, about 20, 22 years. So I've been doing this for a very, very long time. And I, I, I have my own, um, you know, kind of personal story revolving around fitness that I think a lot of people can, can relate to. I, I, I initially started exercising because I was very insecure uh, about my body. Um, I developed uh, somewhat of a bad relationship with exercise and nutrition. It forced me to work out too much. Uh, it forced me to do things with my diet that weren't healthy for my body or for my mental state. Um, but because I, I was also a trainer and because I also loved training and helping people, um, I had to apply, you know, that kind of care towards these people. And at some point it became a bit of a mirror. Um, at some point I had to ask myself why I was able to train people uh, the right way, but why I had this bad relationship with exercise and nutrition for myself. Um, that all of that kind of culminated in some health issues that forced me to really take a hard look at how I was approaching things. And eventually I, I developed kind of the, the, the way I communicate fitness and, and nutrition now, um, which is the way that I think at some point, if you want a long-term uh, approach, if you want to have a relationship to exercise and nutrition, that doesn't result, result in stress and anxiety and, and uh, you're not an obsession, um, it's the approach that I think has to be had. Um, and that is to, you know, approach it from a self-love perspective versus a self-hate perspective. And 
Um, I think when you approach those things from that angle, then the decisions you tend to make are the right ones. And it, it results in a long-term approach, one that's now, um, for me at least, and definitely for the clients I've worked with, uh, rather than being a stress and being an obsession, it's a stress reliever. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's something that it's, uh, it's not something I, I obsess over anymore, uh, and nor do the clients I work with. Um, and I think it's the message that needs to be communicated to the average person. Um, otherwise, we're going to be stuck in the situation that we're currently in where, you know, we don't have a um, weight loss pro uh, problem or uh, we don't have a problem with uh, exercise. You know, millions of people start exercising every day and millions of people lose weight every day. We have a, 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 a problem with consistency and a problem with lifestyle change. Uh, you know, those same people stop. Uh, on and off, you know, they go on and off or they, they'll do great with nutrition and they do poorly with nutrition. Um, and so we need an approach or a way to communicate these things that makes it long-term. We need to be able to change behaviors. And, and that's kind of what I like to talk about. Incredible. You are definitely speaking my language, especially when you said to come at things from like a self-love perspective versus doing things because we don't like ourselves or because we hate ourselves. I know I was wrapped up in that mentality for so many years of my life and everything changes when you approach things out of love for yourself, right? Yeah, totally. It's, it's interesting. Like, um, and really this, this was something that was hard for me to fully grasp and understand, um, until I had kids. I think when you have children, um, and if you don't have kids, maybe you have pets, uh, and uh, maybe not the same, but I think this, this can help. You know, when I had my, my son, who's my oldest, I, you know, obviously I, I loved him more than anything. And I always wanted to do what was best for him. Now, what, what is best for my child sometimes is, uh, is tough. Um, and sometimes it's things that he wants, for example, uh, you know, he's, he's 14 years old now. So let's say he comes up to me and says, Hey, I want to eat cookies every single day. I love cookies. Um, sometimes he can have a cookie. That's, that's, what's going to be good for him. But most of the time I'm going to say, no, it's probably not good for you. It's not good for your body. I'm taking care of him. In other words, I, I actually care about him and I, and I treat him in a way that shows that I, care about them. We have trouble doing this with ourselves. We really do. I think a lot of our approach towards exercise and nutrition comes from self-hate. Like I'm here because I'm fat and I hate that. Or, um, you know, I'm disgusting. I hear this all the time. I'm disgusting. I don't like the way I look. Uh, you know, if somebody goes to a party and they say, Hey, would you like a piece of birthday cake? They'll say, no, I can't have that, which is a very, that, that alone is a very strange, uh, statement. If you think about it, like, what do you mean you can't? have that? Who says you can't have that? Um, I think the right, the right response would be, I don't want that, or I do want that, but I can't is a very interesting, to really break that down, it's as if we're, we're, we're separating ourselves into two different entities. And one of those entities is a child uh, who, who needs to be told what to do. And the other entity is this tyrannical figure that says you can't do that, and you can't do this. And ultimately, that results in, in rebellion, which we know what that looks like, right? Like we go from super strict, I can't, I can't, I can't, to uh, that's it, I'm gonna rebel, which looks like binging and going way the hell off. And then we mask that by saying, oh, I don't care, I just wanna enjoy life, um, you know, and, and, and enjoying life means I'm gonna binge and, and go crazy with all these different things. In reality, what, what we're saying is, 
I can't stand to be, uh, I can't stand this tyranny any, anymore. This this restriction, this, uh, this, this negativity that I'm applying on myself. And it's this, it's this really deadly cycle um, that you'll never get out of. It actually gets worse and worse if you don't, if you don't address it. Now that con in contrast to that would be the caring for yourself. So, you know, when I'm feeding myself and I ask myself, like, you know, I want, I, I want to take care of me because I'm important. I want to take care of me because I'm somebody that deserves to be taken care of. So what kind of foods are going to take care of me at this moment? Now that sometimes means that you're going to eat foods that may not traditionally be healthy. You know, like maybe I'm out with my friends and we're going to connect over a bottle of wine uh, or I'm going to go to eat at my, my mom's house, for example, and she's making my favorite dish and I haven't seen my mom in, in a few weeks. Maybe taking care of me means indulging and enjoying in those things at that moment. But more often than not, it means I'm going to eat things that nourish my body. I'm going to eat things that actually take care of my body. Just like the way you would feed a pet or feed your child, you want to kind of think of it from, you know, from that kind of standpoint. Um, and, and the decisions you'll end up making if you come from, uh, from things from that standpoint are, tend to be the right decisions. The other side, oh, man, I, I mean, if we look at exercise, um, and, and, you know, I don't mind to go off on a rant, but this is a subject that I, I get very passionate about. But, you know, if we look at exercise, let's, let's compare the two uh, scenarios, right? Let's look at I'm going to the gym because I hate myself because I'm fat and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, or I'm disgusting or I'm ugly or I don't have enough muscle or whatever. So I'm going to the gym because I hate something about my body or myself. That is going to result in more of a punishment style of workout, which we've all experienced, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, you know, last week I was on vacation and I was just binging and, and eating and drinking. And now I'm gonna go to the gym and just beat the crap out of myself. I'm gonna go train extra hard and just hurt myself. Um, it, now on the flip side, if I go to the gym and say to myself, like, man, I need to take care of myself. I may train myself hard sometimes, but other times I may actually train with a much lower intensity. It's much more appropriate is my point. Mm -hmm. The way I'll train myself is much more appropriate. Now the irony of all of this, uh, and this is the funny part. The irony is that training in a way and, and eating in a way that takes care of you actually will result in better visible aesthetic results. That's the irony. The irony of it is if you're actually taking care of yourself, you're going to look better on top of it because at the end of the day, what looks best uh, overall is health and what looks best forever is health. The other side, it doesn't work. You might get away with it for a little while, but you won't get away with it for very long. Beating yourself up, beating yourself up, doing the, the the you know tyrannizing yourself with the restriction with diet and the binging with diet, um, your health will start to suffer. And as your health suffers, so does the way you look and your appearance. Um, now, now here's the other side of that: you can't go into exercising and eating right because you care about yourself because you just want to look better. It doesn't work that way. Um, a good example is, you know, years ago I had a, a, a meditation instructor. I used to have a, a studio that did group classes. And one of the group classes was group meditation. And uh, up until this point, I'd never meditated before. And I was trying to, I took the class and it was really hard for me. I couldn't, couldn't figure out how the heck uh, people were meditating. So at the end of the class, after my third time, I asked the instructor, I said, 
you know, I'm not really noticing anything. I'm just kind of sitting here with my eyes closed. And he said, you can't, you, you can't meditate by trying harder. It doesn't work. You can't meditate hard. You know what I mean? It doesn't work yeah, that way. For sure. So you can't, it's not like you can go into exercise and nutrition and say, okay, Sal said, I need to do this to take care of myself. And if I do that, I'll get healthy and I'll look better. So I'm going to do this really good so I can look better. It's not the same. You have to literally care about you. You have to really, and in a true way, you know, we have a lot of people, especially right now we see this, um, you know, this, uh, it's this body acceptance movement, but you also see this uh, pathological side of it, which is this, you know, uh, where you see like people who may be obese or unhealthy and they say, oh, I love my body. I love my, no, 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 no. That's not the, that's also not the same thing. You're not taking care of yourself in, in a true, true sense. Um, you, you can, you can objectively look at your body and say to yourself, okay, objectively speaking, my body's reflecting poor health, but you can still love yourself and take care of yourself because that body image is not the same thing as self-image. Right. You know, I'm sure we've all heard the, I have fat, I'm not fat, you know, type of thing. Right. So it's, it's not an, it sounds simple, um, as I'm talking about it. But it's a process. The process of caring about yourself in the true sense can take time, especially if you've only ever criticized and hated yourself for years. It's not an easy switch. It takes time and it takes practice. It's, an, it's, a, it's a verb. You know, caring and loving yourself is a verb, not a noun. Um, it's, it's something that you do every single day. So I like to communicate that to people because I want people to understand that it is a process. It does take time. But on the other end of that is a, a lifestyle where, you know, you don't need motivation to exercise, um, where when you are, when you're somewhere and there's pizza or there's food that may not be great for you, that when a person offers it to you, you genuinely don't want it. You genuinely are like, no, actually I don't want it. And it's not a, you know, I can't eat that. I'm afraid of it. I don't like it. It's like, no, I, I know that's going to taste good and I can appreciate the flavor and the, and the, you know, the, the enjoyment of eating it. But at the moment, I, I kind of, I just, I don't want to, I want to take care of myself. Or yeah, I think I'll have some pizza right now. I think I want that. You know, it's, it's a very relaxed, I mean, imagine if we could just kind of relax in ourselves and relax into eating and living a healthy life. I think that's the, the I think that's where everybody, you know, at the end of the day really wants to be. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I am so grateful that we're on this topic and you actually brought up birthday cake or cake. And <laughs> it was my mom's birthday yesterday, actually. And I made her cake for the very first time in my entire life. And I'm 28. And it was just like such a cool experience because if you don't know my history, I know all the girls listening do, but I have a history with eating disorders and then disordered eating and just like all these things. Right. And it just took me years to unravel all of those beliefs I was holding on to. And yeah, anyways, I made her a birthday cake and it's just kind of like, That's a a big deal. Yeah. And it's kind of like that middle ground that you're talking about right now, right? Like we can go from a place of just like, I guess, just to give you an example where I was 
a couple years ago, even like I didn't have an eating disorder or anything, but I was just kind of in the mentality. I was living in that mentality of, I just don't eat cake. Like I just, I just don't eat cake. But like, does that have to be a 24 seven, like every single day of the year thing? (laughs) No, like there can be this middle ground where you can have cake and enjoy it and then move on and live oh, your yeah. life. Absolutely. You know, you, know, you remind yeah. me of, uh, you're reminding me of a, of a saying, uh, an old, have you heard the saying you can't have your cake and eat it too? Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've heard that a, a million times. It's an old saying. And, um, like a year ago, I, I, I finally learned what that actually meant. What, what that really means is you can't both have the cake and eat it because if you eat it, it's gone. So you can't have it and you can't eat it. And now the reason why that's relevant um, to this, this conversation is when you look at, um, and, I, and, and this is something that I observed years ago with, with clients and even with myself, when you look at the um, binge behavior that we tend to have when we eat, uh, it's dysfunctional eating when we're binging, when we're eating and before you know it, you know, a whole sleeve of Oreo cookies is gone or a whole bag of chips is gone. And then, you know, we end up hating ourselves. If you look at that behavior, what it, it's not about having the food. It's not about tasting the food. It's about as you're putting the chip in your mouth, all you can think about is the next one. Mm. You're not even enjoying the one that's in your mouth. It's about having. It's about more, more, more. And uh, I, you know, I like to communicate that to people because when you're in that state and you find yourself going from restrict to binge where you're like, oh, I'm really, really good, but then the weekends I go off or I do really good and then I go way off you know, with my nutrition – Think about that for a second, you know, slow that process down. Um, It's okay to enjoy the food, like to go eat a cake and to sit and actually enjoy it for its pleasurable value. But a lot of times what ends up happening and why people are afraid and maybe why you were afraid of it before was A, oh, it's going to change my body. I'm not going to look good. And B, maybe my experience before was I would just binge and go for it and just go crazy. Like you're trying to you know, uh, get more, you know, in your mouth as much as you possibly can, rather than actually sitting with it and enjoying it. It's really a state of unawareness that we tend to be in. Um, and it's, it's very, very complicated and it takes a long time. I'm sure, you know, it took you a long time and it's probably something you still work with. I know I still have to every once in a while work on these things, but I tell you what, it's, uh, it's uh, being on the other side of that. Um, it, it can be, it can be hell. I really can. I know, I know what it's like and I know how difficult it can be. And, um, I think our, 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 the way we've kind of designed our society or the way we live encourages us to have those bad relationships with food and exercise. I mean, the fitness industry does such a poor, terrible job. Uh, you know, we, we tend to, to push the motivation aspect and push the insecurity aspect. And it's no wonder people, aren't exercising as a part of the regular life. It's, it's, it's no wonder that nutrition is just this ongoing losing battle that we have, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, do I ever know? I am real fired up about that Kerbo app. <laughs> real fired <laughs> wait, up. Wait, wait, which, which app is this? Is this the, um, the, the Weight wait, Watchers one? Yeah. You know, and it's funny. We, we had a discussion on the podcast about that for children. You're talking about the one for yes. kids. Yes. Can you please like talk about that here? <laughs> Yeah. So, so there's two sides of this. Okay. I think on one end um, there's becoming informed uh, and knowing what is in food, knowing nutrients in food that includes macronutrients, knowing calories and all that stuff. 
Um, and then there's the other side, which is if we start to connect that in negative ways, then we can start to encourage um, bad relationships to food for children. And so we have to be we have to be careful, but we can't be so afraid of the, the we can't be so afraid of the information surrounding food that we also avoid it. Because I For think sure. there's, there's there's two camps here. There's the one camp, which is like, no, educate your kids. Tell them how many calories in food. Let them learn proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. Let them learn those things. And then there's the other camp that's like, no, don't talk about it at all. It's really, you don't want them to track. You can encourage a uh, poor relationship to food. There's there's actually a, a middle ground. You, you, you don't want to be so afraid that you don't talk about anything because then you'll end up in a situation where because here's what ends up happening with kids. Uh, if you don't talk about food with your kids, the value that they'll end up placing on food will be almost entirely, uh, will, will almost entirely revolve around the, um, the hedonistic value of food, the, the, the flavor and the enjoyment. I mean, think about it this way. If we look at every food category on the market, uh, breakfast foods, lunch foods, dinner foods, even health foods, the top 10 selling foods are probably there because why? Because they're the most palatable. They taste the best. Even, mm-hmm. even health foods, look at the best, you know, green juices or the best, uh, or I should say the most, the, the best selling, the best selling green juices or the, or the top selling protein bars or meal, replace, meal replacement powders or whatever. It's top selling because they taste the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we're talking about the health category, now forget, you know, breakfast food, lunch foods, all that stuff. Of course, those are all ranked in order by how well, how good they taste. Very little value by consumers. And we're the consumers, right? We're the ones driving it. Very, very little value is placed on anything else. Uh, very little value is placed on its nutrient value, uh, on its macronutrient value, um, on, on how it affects our skin, our hair, our stool, on how it affects our energy or performance. Very, very little. Most of the value is on the taste um, and its, uh, its palatability. So if you don't, if we don't have that discussion with children in a healthy way, this is the important thing, and educate them in a healthy way, they're still getting educated. It's just they're, if they're getting educated is, I value food for its taste. For sure. Um, yeah. And, and think about that. Like, you know, when people go out to eat uh, or when they decide what they want to eat, how do they base their decision? It's, it's all on what they, you know, what do you want to have for lunch? Oh, let me think. What do I feel like having? It's all about the pleasure, the pleasure factor of the food. There's no value on anything else. So I think, we, I think an app like that, um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily use an app. But I do think an app like that can be used in a way that can be good. I can also think it can be used in a way that's terrible. Now, I think most people will use it in a way that's terrible because most people don't have the, the skill and understanding, even with themselves, let alone with their own kids, on how to use an app like that. I think you give an app, the average parent uses an app with their kids like that. What they're going to do is they're going to create a worse relationship with food. They're going to tell their kid, this makes you fat. Don't eat this. Sure. You know, Don't eat that. It's bad or whatever which is totally wrong. Oh, think, yeah. 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 So I think the discussion needs to be more like, okay, uh, here are the things that foods contain. There's macronutrients. There's micronutrients. Here's the value of those things. There's calories. Why do we need calories? Uh, what are the bad sides of nutrients and macronutrients? Like what happens if you get too much vitamin D? Or what happens if you get too much iron? What happens if you get too many 
uh, calories uh, in your diet, what happens to the body. Um, just a very frank, honest discussion. But then also teach your children to value food for all of its other qualities, you know, like, for example, um, you know, my daughter the other day was complaining that she was having a tummy ache. So she's saying, oh, my stomach hurts. And so I was talking to her about her, her, her bowel movements. And so I said, you know what we're going to do? I said, I'm going to make you some, uh, some rapini. Rapini is a, is a type of, uh, it's, I think it's a cruciferous vegetable, yeah. but it's really leafy. It's like a leafy green vegetable. I said, I'm going to cook some rapini for you and I'm going to cook it really, really good. So it's kind of mushy. And I'm going to put a little olive oil on it. And I said, and I want you to eat that because it'll help you go to the bathroom. It'll help your stomach. And so, so she eats it and, you know, when she's eating it, she's, you know, honestly telling me she didn't like the taste. Like, Oh, I don't like the taste of it. So oh, yeah, you know, it tastes a little funny, but it's really, really good for your stomach. Now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm creating a relationship with that food for her that it benefits her in other ways. Now, if you do that enough times over time, what you'll find is the child will actually crave those foods. They'll actually crave those things. Now it's, it's in a different way. It's not craving like, Oh my God, I want to eat it because it tastes good. It's more like, Oh, I want to eat it because it makes me feel good. And you can actually do this. This is a real thing. Uh, food manufacturers have done this for years. They've, they, 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 they constantly condition us. Like here's a, here's a simple example. Okay. When you think of um, a Corona, you know, the, the Mexican beer Corona, what do you automatically think of? Like Mexican food. Yeah, Mexican food, the beach. Or the maybe. beach, yeah. Someone sitting on the beach and squirting a lime or something like that. <laughs> right, right. If, if I say popcorn, what do you think about? Movies. Yeah, so yeah. they do this and, and they create these associations. So trust me, you can, you, can, you can associate food with its other values. And then over time, you'll find that you start to want those foods. Because imagine how easy it would be to eat healthy if... You wanted to eat healthy, like genuinely, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not just like I have to, this is what I have to do, but actually, oh no, that's what I really want to eat. It's like, you know, I, I, Mind Pump does a lot of traveling these days and we do these live events. And, you know, when you're traveling and eating out, it's difficult to eat like you normally would. And we try to make our best efforts, but, you know, when you eat out, vegetables aren't the greatest sometimes and whatever. Right. We'll come back after three days and, and all of us are like, man, I can't wait to go home and just eat a big bowl of vegetables and I really want <laughs> it. Sure. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I definitely feel the same way after even like a day of travel. I'm like, I just need to get home and eat all the veggies right now. If you're <laughs> like lacking them on one day for sure. And I'm so happy we're talking about this, especially since you have two children, right? I do. My, uh, I have a son who's 14 and my daughter's nine. Yeah. And you, I mean, like, obviously you just sound like such an amazing dad, but it's really great because I've been talking about that Kerbo Weight Watchers app as well, but more from like the body image standpoint. And maybe we can talk about this too, because I think you were like 14 when you started lifting weights because you felt insecure about your body, right? Totally. I, I, yeah. yeah, I really did. I, I, I started lifting weights because I was really skinny. Yeah. And what was my major focus, I guess, because I totally agree with you in regards to diet, like there's, there has to be a middle ground, right? Like we can be completely obsessed with our diet or there's like that 
anti-diet culture, which I'm also not a part of because then it's, it's like against, it's still against something. And one of my mentors was actually talking about this last week is how you can be, um, really like diet obsessed. So in like that disordered eating type of world, or you can be in this like antsy diet culture that is still against like making these healthy food choices too. Right. So there's this middle ground that you can find. And it sounds like you and I are both there. And like you said, like sometimes we probably still have to check ourselves, but we're humans. Right. But um, yeah, it sounds like we're in this like good middle ground, but in regards to body image and stuff, the thing that really got me about this app was the fact that we're targeting children that are like going through puberty and whatnot, especially girls, you know, like our bodies are majorly changing during that time. And that's when I developed my first eating disorder at 10 years old. You know, all of my friends started developing and I just like got super self-conscious about my body. And that's kind of my biggest beef I guess with the app is like we're targeting this population that their bodies like are supposed to be changing you know yeah and in some in a lot of that sometimes comes from um parents and and I don't mean the parents necessarily say negative things to the kids that happens too um Mm -hmm. that definitely can happen but oftentimes it's the parents and how they talk about themselves and the child will observe mom say to herself, you know, oh, man, I'm fat or oh, this dress doesn't fit me anymore. Or look how good I used to look and I don't look like that anymore. And so the, the, the parents not directly saying anything to the kid and, and they might they're not trying to cause issues for the child. And they, and they may care for them and love them very much. But the fact that they're saying these things about themselves you know, children see that and they hear that and they start to internalize, you know, well, gosh, if my mom, who's the most amazing person in the world to me, thinks that she doesn't look good because she's fat, like, what does that mean? And oh my God, do I have that type of deal? Um, So that can happen. And also, I mean, but you could be a great parent, uh, but you know, we have things today, especially like Instagram uh, and, you know, social media and Things that tend to, to, to tell us that the value that we we have in the world, especially to girls, this is much more of a, a, a challenge for girls, but it is one for boys too, um, is that your value to the world is your appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, and, and, you know, look at, look at the people that get the attention and who, who, who gets, who gets all the accolades. It's the pretty girl, the girl who's fit, uh, the girl who's got a nice body and oh my gosh, she's got all these admirers and people like her so much. And so that becomes what we think is all of the value. And it's, it's not a, it's not a long step or jump to then internalize that. Like, okay, well, what about me? What's my value? I don't look like that. Am I not valuable uh, to the world? Um, And so this is a very, very difficult uh, and challenging subject. I don't think the, the, the right approach is to avoid it uh, and pretend like it's not there. I think the, I think, what I what I believe to be the most the, the, the most effective approach is to be open and honest uh, about it and just to talk about it. You know, kind of like the way I'm talking to you. I think sometimes we, we think kids don't uh, they're, they're not smart enough to understand. 
Uh, but I think they're a lot smarter than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and give them some credit and just, you know, talk honestly. Like, well, look, you know, I, I, you know, hey, my friends all said that I'm, you know, chubby or, you know, my, my friend so-and-so, she's, 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 you know, getting boobs and I don't have them or whatever. And you just talk very honestly, you know, like, yeah, well, some, you're not all going to look the same. Everyone's going to look different. Um, some people are going to think one person looks better than the other. You may believe that to be, you know, true as well. But there's a lot of things that we offer the world. Um, and there's much more than just how we look. Um, and you just be very honest, you know, just be, have a very honest conversation and maybe even use yourself as an example. Um, but uh, you know, you're right. It, it's when we start talking about our, Im- our body image or how we view ourselves and how we talk about our physical appearance so much, we just, we just end up reinforcing that, that that's a very, that that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, like rather than talking about like, like when I used to train kids, I used to love training kids. It was one of my favorite demographics. And um, what I talked about with kids was almost entirely revolved around performance. So it was, you know, we're going to get you stronger. Oh, wow, you can move better. Look, you have more stamina. Oh, my gosh, you have more energy. And even, even if they said to me, like, I built muscle, I'd be like, that's awesome. Look how much stronger you are. Like, I would always turn it back to, mm-hmm. you know, I would always turn it back to performance. Now, you can, you can pathologize performance as well, but it's harder. It's a harder thing to do. Um, and they're also not getting hammered from all angles from a performance standpoint, unless maybe they're sometimes you get that with boys in, in sports, in which case then you can kind of, you know, veer the, the conversation into another direction. But performance is a good place, you know, to focus on with kids rather than, you know, appearance. Cause if, if the conversation revolves around appearance, it just becomes, I mean, you're just reinforcing like, Oh, that's, that's really important. That's and Oh, that's the most important thing. And let me just look at myself and, you know, it, that's a, a, it's a, it's a slippery slope. You start going down that path and it, boy, that's a tough one to try to reverse because it's getting reinforced from every single angle, every social media app, every friend they have, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I've been there as a boy um, and I've trained a lot of people and I've seen them, you know, I, I've seen what it can do to people and it, it could take years to, to reverse that out of. And even then it can be difficult because we're still constantly reminded that appearance is super important to the market. For example, you know, we're always reminded that. Um, so, no, it's a very important conversation to have. It's, uh, I'm glad you're talking about it. Well, I'm happy we are talking about it. And I imagine that you're having like these really open and honest conversations with your daughter, but your son as well. But um, just that we're talking about kind of like girls' bodies changing at that age and whatnot. And I know a lot of parents listen to this episode or this podcast. So I'm really happy that you're on sharing how you communicate with your daughter about body image. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, here's a good, uh, example. And this is some, by the way, you know, I know you said earlier, I'm a great dad and all that. I I do my best. I'm definitely not perfect. Um, and I make a lot of mistakes. So I want to be clear with that because (laughs) I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound preachy. I mean, I, I grew up in a traditional, um, Italian household and, Mm we celebrate food. And in some ways it's not very healthy. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were, we're, it's so hard for me not to force feed my kids so hard not to tell my kids eat all their food and finish all this and do all that. And because that's the way I was raised, that's how we were shown love. I mean, my mom would follow us around when we were little with food, you know, her (laughs) goal was to see if she could get us to eat more. And that was her way of, of showing love. So it's, it's been a, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's a constant struggle to kind of reverse out of that. But 
Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I think uh, can apply to how we kind of, you know, work around this with kids. You know, I, when I managed gyms, one of my one of my jobs was to teach my salespeople how to uh, communicate effectively in terms of fitness and, and, you know, get people to sign up, get people to want to work out. And uh, sometimes the sales guys would be afraid of a statement that the potential customer was making because they thought it would negatively affect the sale. So here's a good example. Like you'd be walking through the gym, giving a tour of this potential member and it's five o'clock at night. This is prime time. It's, it's the most busy it's going to be. It's like packed. And the person might say, wow, it's really packed in here right now. And the sales guy or girl may feel like they need to counter that because, mm -hmm. oh no, you know, it's packed. They're not going to want to sign up. So they would say something like, oh, you know, but it, tonight it's more busy than normal. And most of the time it's not like this. And, you know, but there's lots of equipment available. And, and then it was such a terrible approach because saying that to the person who is uh, thinking about joining, it's like, you're telling them that they don't have eyes. You know what I mean? Like, okay, like it's obviously packed. I'm walking through right now. The best way to answer that question or that statement when someone says, oh, wow, the gym is really packed right now is to simply say, yeah, it is. And you're done. The conversation's over. We're, we're done with this. Yeah, it is. And you continue moving along. And it's really not an issue. Right. So if your kid, if your kid comes up to you and says, you know, uh, oh, you know, dad, you know, I, I think I have a really big butt. You know, you can kind of chuckle a little bit and be like, yeah, you do have a rounder butt, but you know what? That's because you have good glute muscles and those give you more power. And some people actually value that and you're done. It's yeah. a, you're done with the conversation. Hey dad, I think I'm, I think I'm a little chubby. And you, you know, you look at him and say, well, is that what you think? You think you're a little chubby? What does it mean to you? It, sometimes it doesn't mean anything. Sometimes the kid will be like, well, nothing. It's just an observation. Hey, I'm shorter than my friend, you know? Hey, you know, I noticed all my friends are taller than me we immediately think it's negative, mm. you know? Oh yeah, yeah, I guess your friends are taller than you. What does that mean to you? Sometimes it's like nothing, doesn't mean anything and they're done. Sometimes it can mean, well, it makes me feel kind of bad. Well, why does that make you feel bad? Well, because, and then you can have the conversation. So I think what we don't want to do is be so afraid of that, that the other side that we run away from it, you know, like, Hey dad, you know, I'm shorter than all my friends. Oh, that's okay. You're going to grow. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Being short's okay. There's a lot of value. Whatever. You, know, you, are, you are communicating to the child that there's a problem. You're communicating to the kid that this may be an issue. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes kids are just, they're just observing, you know, like when my daughter was, you know, she was real young. She, she came up to me and she said, oh, my friend says I have a big butt. And I, I kind of chuckled and I said, well, what did you say back? She said, well, I told her, she didn't have a butt. And we kind of laughed together. I said, well, I said, how did that make you feel? She's like, I don't care. All right, we're done. The conversation's over. Um, you know, I, I, and I want to communicate this because, you know, I know you have a wellness podcast and I have a fitness podcast. And so we're communicating to a different audience and our audience tends to be, you know, I think sometimes we tend to be afraid of those conversations like, oh no, we can't talk about macros and calories because then we'll get bad food relationships. Or, oh no, we can't talk about our bodies because then we're going to become body obsessed. Right. Like, no, that'll actually drive obsession as well. So we have to be careful. Yes. Oh gosh. I cannot agree enough. And thank you so much for that example. It's so like, just as you were describing it, you can feel like the tension when you're trying to avoid the conversation. Right. And it just is so much more easy if you actually say like, oh yeah. And like, how do you feel about that? 
or like, you know, you know, yeah. You know, who helped me with that was um, my girlfriend, Jessica. She's really, really good at talking with kids. And I think sometimes when you talk to your own kid, that's more difficult because you're kind of in it, you know, versus uh-huh. when you're outside of it. And she would tell me like, Hey, listen, you don't need to freak out. Like just be cool and calm with it because they're going to read your energy and ask them how they feel. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, duh. Yeah. Makes makes perfect sense. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. Well, that's awesome that she could help you out with that for sure. So, um, before we wrap up the show, I know we're getting to the end of the show, but there is one thing that, I did want to make sure we got to talk about in this episode, just because you are coming from like the fitness space, right? Mm -hmm. So I recently released a podcast episode. Um, I was working on recovering from hypothalamic amenorrhea and I finally recovered from that. So yay. But one piece of that was really like dialing back how active I was and like all the stress I was putting on my body. And one thing that I stopped doing was I have this standing desk and I just like noticed that I stood all day and I never allowed myself to just chill out. And so I mentioned that on my podcast a couple of episodes ago, episode 75, and I got several comments and messages on Instagram from the ladies that listened to that episode. And they just said, I'm having such a hard time, like toning it down. And I love your podcast because you guys have such a great approach around exercise and fitness. So um, can you, do you want to chat about that a little bit with me? Just finding that balance and you don't have to be like on all the time. Oh yeah. Um, so here's the thing about exercise. Uh, the reason why exercise benefits us is because it sends a signal to the body, um, for the body to adapt. So to use a simple example, if I lift weights, um, I cause a stress on the body. That's what, that's what lifting weights does. In fact, for all intents and purposes, if you were to measure my blood while I was working out and look at all my, my, uh, you know, my bio uh, measurements, you would, you would think it was bad for me. Okay. But because it's a slight stress on the body, my body aims to adapt so that next time it doesn't have the same, it doesn't suffer from the same, the insult in the same way. My body's trying to get better. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's what exercise does. Now here's the key. Exercise needs to be appropriate. It needs to be appropriate because if you over apply intensity or too much volume or too much working out, then uh, your body's ability to adapt and improve becomes uh, overwhelmed. And then what ends up happening is your body is only worried about healing. You're in this constant state of stress. And in a body that's in a constant state of stress, uh, your hormones change. Um, In some cases, uh, women will lose their period. Men's testosterone levels will drop. We start to feel crummy. Um, But because we're exercising because we don't like ourselves, we tend to push even harder and harder and we go down this kind of rabbit hole. Now, what determines the right dose? Everything, every factor of your life helps determine the right dose. So if you're in a position where, let's say you are a female and you aren't uh, having a regular cycle, which is a very clear sign that there's something that's wrong, then that may mean that whatever you're applying, whatever workout or exercise routine you're applying, 
is not the right dose. And oftentimes it's too much. Even if that's three days a week of 30 minutes of exercise and you think to yourself, well, that's nothing. That's not a lot. Well, it's obviously too much for you right now. Okay. And, and look at the whole picture. It could be because you're doing other things that are very, very stressful. And it doesn't have to be physical. You know, you can exercise can be a, a very stressful thing or it can be a very recuperative thing. And a lot of it has to do with your state of mind. I mean, heck, I tell you what, have you ever had an, an, an anxiety attack just sitting there relaxing? I have, right? Where you're just sitting there thinking about something and you're getting all this anxiety. Yes. I'm not even moving and I'm placing a tremendous amount of stress on my body because of whatever I'm thinking about or whatever emotion um, that I'm feeling. So it doesn't just have to be movement. So when you look at your whole life, consider all those factors. So, you know, I'll have kid, I'll, I'll have young, younger kids like in their twenties, you know, tell me, you know, I'm only working out twice a week and they can't possibly be too much. And I'll look at the whole schedule and be like, well, okay, let's, uh, let's look at your schedule. You're in college right now and you're working part-time. You're not getting good sleep. You're stressed out because school is real difficult. You just broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And you're having a stressful time there. Well, right now, uh, your total stress load is high. And so, and because exercise is an additional stress on the body, we need to reduce, because it's an easy one. Exercise is an easy one. Move less. It's a very easy one to, to work with. The emotional stuff can be more difficult. Let's just work out less. Let's give your body more, uh, a better ability to handle the other stresses that are in your life. So I, I think we tend to judge ourselves a little harshly. We'll look at our workouts and say, why, why can't I do that? This can't be too much. It's, it's not a lot. Or my friends are working out way more than me. Or last year I worked out twice as much and I was fine. So this can't be too much for me now. It changes. It always changes. The right dose is the right dose for you right now. And right now is, 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 is a different context than tomorrow or yesterday. And so consider all of those things. And so, and here's the thing, if you apply exercise in the right dose, the right dose is always going to give you the best results. That's the bottom line. More than the right dose will not give you better results. More than the right dose will give you worse results. So even if you're just looking to change your body and you want your body to become more fit and leaner and all that stuff, you have to apply the right dose and the right dose for you now may be different than what it was yesterday. And it's definitely probably going to be than what it is for someone else. So you have to look at it from that perspective so you can appreciate it and value it in the right way. Otherwise you're always going to be in this, Oh, well, this is working for me. You know, what's going to work better if I do more, I'm going to do more. That's going to be even more effective. It doesn't work that way. Right. Yes. Thank you so much. And a huge mindset shift for me was just seeing it as a stress, not, exercise, right? Like not thinking of it as exercise because we all think like, oh, we need to be exercising. We need to be doing this. But if you just think of it as a stress, just like you said, when you're sitting there, like stressing yourself out in your mind, thinking of it like a stress like that, it makes such a big difference. It does. And here's something that I think is so relevant for today's uh, generation, um, for your generation and the younger generation in particular, um, because, so we lead very sedentary lives. We know this has been sedentary for a while now. It's just getting worse. But we also have extremely busy lives. In fact, they're far busier than ever before. And we're more informed uh, than ever before. Now, now, information can be a good thing, but sometimes it can be a bad thing. You know, if you look at um, anxiety and depression rates among among adolescents, 
it's exploding right now. And you think to yourself, what the heck are, are kids and adolescents stressed out about? Well, shit. When I was a kid, I didn't know about every damn kidnapping and global warming. And I didn't know about every damn problem every five seconds because I just didn't have a, access to it and have the internet. So if I didn't watch the news, which I didn't, no kids watch the news when I was a kid, I wasn't hearing about it. Now today you surf through social media or Instagram, you're constantly being reminded of, you don't look good enough. You're constantly being reminded on, of what you're missing out on. You're constantly being reminded of the fact that you're not doing what you should be doing. You're constantly being reminded of all the world problems and events and everybody says it's so good to be informed. No, sometimes it's okay to focus on you yourself, what's around you and to be present. And so one of the most effective ways to increase your body's ability to deal with stress, like if you want to be able to work out more, let's say you like, look, I don't want to have to work out less. I want to be able to work out a few days a week. One of the best things you could do is manage your social media time and your technology time. Get off that shit. Maybe do exactly what you need to do for it. Like, I got to do my work. I got to do my schoolwork. Maybe your business is on it. And then turn it off completely. Unplug. Be present. When you're in line, wait in line. Don't be on your phone. When you're in the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Don't be on the phone. On the weekends, take your phone, turn it off, go somewhere. There is no technology. Go to the beach, go on a hike. It sounds silly, but it will, um, it makes a tremendous difference in your body's ability to handle stress, which means you'll be able to work out more. You'll be able to, your body will have more capacity to burn body fat, get leaner, and then forget the mental uh, benefits. The mental benefits are, are massive. They're absolutely incredible. I do this experiment with my kids all the time. I'll take, I'll take their, their tech away from them and they'll get pissed off for about an hour or two. And then they're different children. They're totally different children. They're present. They're bored sometimes. You should be bored. That's, you know, it's funny. When I was a kid, we were bored a lot. There were a lot of times we're like, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do. Now it's like you have a million and one different decisions to make. That, that's, a, that's a constant stimulation and stress, you know, on the brain and the body. Be bored. To turn that shit off. Just sit there. It makes, a, it's, and it's, sure, it's hard because it's easier to be distracted. Because now you're not thinking about your feelings. You're not feeling things. You're more, you know, but it makes a big, it makes such a tremendous difference. So for your generation, the younger generation, that's one of the best things you could do. It's very simple. Like only go on social media for what, what you need. And if you are going to go on it for leisure and wasting time, give yourself a time frame. Like, okay, I'm going to go on Instagram. I'm going to spend 30 minutes just surfing around and wasting time. Time yourself. And when the timer goes off, I'm off of it. And I'm not going to be on anymore. Boy, does it make a big difference. Test this out on yourself. Do a, 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 do a technology fast. Do it with tech. You know, unplug for, for 48 hours, 72 hours. Watch how you feel. You will be blown away. Well, I think everyone should just like leave this episode and go do their homework. <laughs> Carve out some time to just spend on social media if they want, but spend the rest of the time unplugging. I love that advice. So I could talk to you. I would love to have you back to talk all about mental health and how it relates to moving our bodies and stuff like that, because like there's such a huge 
mental component to physical activity. But oh. we are coming to the end of the episode and I have one more question for you that I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Oh boy, unbreakable. Um, okay, so when I think of unbreak, when I think of the word unbreakable, I think of uh, of courage. Um, and I heard this uh, analogy given a long time ago, and it really stuck with me. So we all we're all familiar with the superhero Superman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he's uh, you know super strong, invincible, like can do anything. And we all, when, when I was a kid, I like Superman comics, and I, and I would think to myself like man, he's so brave. Like he's so brave. Like look at all these crazy things that he does. And someone, I don't remember who it was told me, well, actually Superman is not brave at all. He's invincible. The brave people are the ones that are vulnerable. They're the ones that know that when they step in the middle of danger or when they take risks, that the risk is real and they could fail and they can be hurt. So for me, unbreakable is knowing uh, my fear, acknowledging my fear, knowing the negatives, but doing it anyway. And being and knowing that I will deal with the negatives should they come. Because at the end of the day, uh, there is no bravery without, uh, without vulnerability. There is no bravery without knowing the fact that you can be hurt, you can, and you can fail. So acknowledge it, do it anyway, and know that you'll deal with it if it happens. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I know you will come back on and we'll have another awesome chat. And where can people find you? Because I know they're going to want to follow you. I love following you on Instagram, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, you can find my Instagram page is uh, Mind Pump Sal. And then the podcast is Mind Pump. You can find us on all platforms. And then we have a, a, a free resources page. So uh, there's a bunch of guides on training, nutrition. We try to give as much information as possible for free. Um, And you can find those all at mindpumpfree.com. Amazing. And I will link everything up in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate having me on. Thank you. 